And you know the song. A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, G. Welcome. Now, before we get going, I wanted to say that, in fact, we released the book today. Having spent six months writing this book, it's finally out. And we actually pushed it through slightly quicker than we intended to because I told the publisher the best person to have on screen when I announced this is Perna. <laughs> so the book was released today, 18th of January, 2022. Perna, what do you think? Uh, I am impressed, blown away. I'm running to buy it. This is the first thing I'm going to do. So everyone join me, get your Kindle copy now. And I can't wait to read it, become a million times smarter after learning from you and leaving rave reviews. Brilliant. I think a million might possibly be overdoing it very slightly, but thank you very much. That's delightful. The book is out. Thank you, Perna, for the recommendation. And, you know, I'm really proud and really pleased, and it's taken a lot of work. And the people at Bright Ray Publishing really, really helped push it through. Um, it's been an awesome experience. And if anybody is not scared enough of that book, there are another three coming in the next couple of years. It's going to be a series. The Fundamental of Brand Serps for Business is today. Fundamentals of Knowledge Panels for Business will be in six months' time, and then we'll just keep going because uh, I just can't stop talking about it. So talking of which, Brand Serps, I looked up your name and got the Brand Serp, and here we go. It's a lovely Brand Serp with you right at the top, LinkedIn. Very appropriate. It's where you work as mm -hmm. the Senior Content Solutions Consultant at LinkedIn. That makes sense. Then Twitter, where you don't work, but you hang out quite a lot. Search engine land, same thing. And then a couple of videos. And then if we switch to the next slide, I looked at your video uh, vertical. And you get right at the top there, introduced by David Amerland. How could it be more wonderful? Oh, that's lovely. And so you're involved in almost all the top-ranked videos that I've seen. But before, can I just say a huge thank you to you for like your contributions to this industry, your Ooh. hard work and passion make this industry a much better place to work. And I can't believe you're going to write even more books, Jason. Wow. Kudos to but, you. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I could say the same for you because you bring so much joy and information and insights to the whole thing. And you have I mean, I've known you for a couple of years, three, four years. I can't actually remember now, but you've Probably moved longer. from... Ooh, ooh, dear, that was terribly rude of me then. I've known you for as long <laughs> no. as I can possibly remember. Um, but you were at Microsoft, and then you were at Google, uh, Bing Ads, and now you're at LinkedIn. Can you explain your, your career path? Because it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, so I was, um, I worked in startups. I worked agency side, I worked in-house, then I went publisher side to Microsoft, where we were still called Bing Ads. Then Microsoft rebranded to Microsoft Advertising. And what can I say? Like, I love Microsoft. I always joke. I said, I drink the Kool-Aid, Satya Nadella. I am, you know, he's just such a hero. Like the humility, the grace, the passion, the, you know, commitment to empowering others. Like I am so aligned with all of that. And so I, I see myself at Microsoft for a really, really long time. But I realized I wanted to find a different you know, try to tap in and learn as much as I could about different business groups. And then when Microsoft bought LinkedIn, like ever since then, there was a little seed in my head that <laughs> how amazing would it be to work for like one of the most trusted companies in the world, like LinkedIn. And Brilliant. I, 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 can, I, can, I can visualize you kind of edging your way closer and closer to LinkedIn over the last couple of years. 
um, which is a delightful thought. And now you're at LinkedIn and you actually deal with what exactly? Because Senior Content Solutions Consultant, which I'm reading because it's quite long, um, <laughs> doesn't really tell me what you do. What do you do? So we are a sort of internal team of consultants and evangelists at LinkedIn. And our job is to go out and work with our advertisers, our customers, our uh, clients, and help them drive their business forward through the power of content. So content marketing has just been my jam. Like even at Microsoft Advertising, what I was always drawn to was like ad copy. What makes people tick? Like why do they, you know, take the actions they do? And so this was just a natural progression to get to still be in a customer facing, in a consultant and evangelist, uh, evangelist type role to share yeah. the power and the love that I have for the power of content in influencing and building brands and driving revenue. Um, so that's right. essentially my role is I go out there and I consult uh, companies and how they can just grow their own business through good content. Brilliant. And I mean, I'm, I'm with you on board 100%. I mean, since I started doing the podcast and the event series, the Cali Cube Tuesday series, mm -hmm. I'm getting more and more into it. Content is fun. It's informative. And it's incredibly powerful. And one of the things, I mean, I come from an SEO world where I thought ranking on Google was the only thing that mattered. And I'm now at a point when I'm saying I actually don't do very much SEO anymore directly because I'm so focused on building this content and getting an audience together and, and communicating. And that's partly because I'm talking about brand SERPs and knowledge panels, which doesn't have a natural audience on Google so much. And LinkedIn has been really helpful for me. But also, we were saying just before, I talk about LinkedIn a lot because LinkedIn dominates brand SERPs, especially in B2B, but also personal SERPs. And it's also incredibly powerful in the knowledge graph and knowledge panels. So for me, LinkedIn is my new best friend too. Hooray! Yay! We love having besties like you. <laughs> Brilliant. Wonderful. So today we're talking about content on LinkedIn in particular and how to make the most of LinkedIn. And I would imagine if anybody knows that now, it's you. Um, so what, what do we start with? It's prominence versus pre presence. And I like that concept. It's saying, you know, I'm there, but am I being seen? Is that more or less it? That is pretty much it. Like I always... I saw the stat the other day and it, it really stopped me in my tracks. It said that every day, the average person just on their phone will scroll through 300 feet of content. For comparison, that's how tall the Big Ben is or how tall the Statue of Liberty is, right? That's how much content we're going through. Right. And for that's from the consumer point, but then from a marketer point where there's so many platforms now, as you said, yes, Google being super important for SEO, but then there's, yeah. There's all the different social media platforms. There's new ones every day. It's like, where, where do you invest your time? And so poor marketers in their quest to be everywhere just tend to focus on being present. But that's not the same as being prominent, right? As stopping those thumbs from scrolling. So how can you be thumb-stoppingly good is a question that I get asked all the time. Oh, right. Sorry. But do, do people ask you, how can I be thumb-stoppingly good? Or did you make that up and then you encourage them to ask you? Because it's your phrase, isn't it? Yeah, I shamelessly made that up. But yeah, thumb-stoppingly good <laughs> content. But they ask me how they can stand out. How can they do better? And it's true, right? There's so many different companies. Like, we're not in a vacuum, unfortunately. And Often there isn't as much super different between one company to the other beyond sort of personality and people and so on. So how can you make your content really stand out? 
Right. Well, and that's the question we're going to dive into. But I mean, kind of mm -hmm. one of the things that I, I really strikes me is that idea of being present is something that I hear a lot about. And it's saying, I'm at least I'm on all the platforms. And one thing we see in brand search, because it's my obsession, is that being present doesn't mean it will rank. And if it does rank, and somebody clicks on it when they're searching your brand name, for example, Facebook, and they see this empty space with those kind of pieces of grass flying across in the cowboy western things, they think you're rubbish. So being present and getting something to rank on your brand surf, at least without any content, makes no sense. So being prominent is what's going to trigger both the user's interest on the platform, bring in new business, new eyeballs, and also help Google with your brand surf. And now I'll stop talking about brand surf. I mean, go back to how do you make it prominent? There's, there's, a, there's a few different things, but you absolutely nailed it, right? You want your content. Like people still put in so much effort, right? Regardless whether content does well or it doesn't do well, it takes, there's blood, sweat, and tears that get poured into it. So you want your the output to have the right outcome. And right. To, to do that, there's a few different things that, that brands should start to, to think about, which is, and the number one, if I could recommend like one small change, which is stop thinking, what do I want to say? And really rephrase it to what does my audience want to hear? And it's such a small but significant change in thinking that if you can make, you want to be much more audience centric, right? Who's going to consume your content? It's not the... Um, your, you know, the boss's boss or the stakeholders or whomever that they may be happy because they launched something new and you're like, I, you know, wrote about something about that we launched. Is that going to move the needle? Well, how can I phrase it? How can I say it in a way that my audience will relate? And one of the biggest shifts that we saw, especially like post the pandemic, is this need to add more emotion, especially with, with B2B. And if it's okay, let me break that down for you for a yep. second, if that's okay. Uh, you know, so often in B2B, Jason, you've probably heard it a million times. Everyone's like, oh, I've got to be very rational. Like we're yep. reaching out to other businesses. So let me speak in this very rational decision-making way. But we're still dealing with humans, right? Business buyers are human and they want to work with the companies that make them feel good. And that capture their, their attention as well for two reasons. One, in general, in B2B sales cycles are so long that not everyone's going to be like right at that stage where they're ready to buy now. Um, it, there's of this Bennett and Fields research that shows that the vast majority of your audience is not in the um, stage to buy now. Like 75% of them tend to be like future buyers. And, you, mm. you know, emotional centric advertising can help you keep top of mind. But the other big shift that almost like the pandemic led to was when these right. home and work lives blended, B2B found ourselves competing with B2C for attention. And so we had to take this leaf out of the B2C book to appeal with some kind of emotion, human aspect uh, that can help build a connection with the audience. That's absolutely brilliant. I really like the kind of, uh, as, as we can see, we're both at home. So that kind of personal professional life is, is mixing. And the idea that the B2B had to wake up and start saying we actually have to be friendly and we have to be ourselves. We, if we have a personality, there isn't any shame in having a personality or a disadvantage within business because, as you say, you're dealing with people. And for CaliCube, what I'm trying to do is build CaliCube into a brand that has a personality and it's a friendly, helpful intelligent i hope and fun personality and i think it makes sense and it's working so far 
Although I'm not a seven-figure business, but it is, it is. It takes time, right? It's, Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither is this. And then the one piece of advice, so when, whenever sometimes I'll bring up emotion to to people, they're like, "Oh no!" But they just associate emotion with making people feel emotional. So like, oh, do I need to make those ads that make people cry or, or laugh? <laughs> and so emotion is not the same as emotional. It just means people should get a sense mm. that they like you, you know, that you're like you said, like you're fun, you're trusted. They want to work with you. If you think there's a really good example from IBM, right, where they said they would have their, of course, the rational ads that talk about just product benefits, etc. But then they had this emotional ad that was no one ever got fired for buying IBM. It's such a classic B2B ad for a reason because it tapped into that fear that B2B buyers have of making the wrong decision or big big money investment. So it's so smart. Um, or Avis, right. this ad, the rent-a-car, one, this is one of my favorites. It's from, I think, the 60s, if I remember correctly. I may be wrong. Um, but they said, you know, you know, they were not the number one ranked in uh, car rental place at all and they what their ad said something i'm going to completely destroy it by paraphrasing it but you know we're not number you know here's why it's better to work with a number two ranked brand or we're not number one and here's why you should work with us and it got people so curious like oh why should we not work with the top ranked brand and then they just said like look we try harder our ashtrays will be clean the tanks will be full the car will be this and it got you get that little emotion connection there uh, with it versus, I mean, they don't make you cry. They don't make you laugh. It was just intriguing. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I really like that point. Somebody else talked to me about it. And I was actually going through my brain, flipping through my, what is it called? A file of facts. My little file of facts <laughs> in my brain was going mad trying to remember who it was and what the conversation was. But I re remember that. And they were saying, we're number two, but that's why we try harder, I think. It, it yeah, it something like that, right? I completely blanked on it. So. And, and Volkswagen Beetle had another similar kind of uh, ad. Uh, there's a whole kind of thing about you admit to your mistakes or admit to your, sorry, not your mistakes, admit to your weaknesses. Yeah. And build on them to make, to, to trigger that kind of emotional connection. And from, from my perspective, I think a lot of brands miss out on that and trying to be absolutely perfect and represent yourself incredibly professionally is not necessarily the best way forward. Um, so that, that's to do with prominence. Do you think you get more prominence by being more e emotional or do you think that um, you can get prominence and still remain incredibly straight laced as it were? So you can, I mean, there's always, <laughs> You know, your mileage may vary there, but there is a way to get those thumbs from stopping right in the sea of sameness and the sea of everything looks the same. And it doesn't have to be a big, complicated ad campaign. You know, hmm. executive thought leadership is another big one, especially on LinkedIn. Um, one of my favorite examples is Kathleen Hogan. She's like the chief uh, people officer at Microsoft. And she just shared another article that was talking about how difficult it was for working parents during the pandemic. And then she just added this, her own comment to it about how as a as a single mom like it's super hard balance and you know it's a struggle and I thought it was so incredibly powerful and vulnerable for somebody in such a senior position at such a massive company to even just share that human side to them and in fact it got incredible traction and incredible engagement it had you know double the amount of views than she has followers so just for context at how far it, it spread and 
probably was a right. quick post to write, right? But there was that emotional, so it got the prominence. Right. I'm being being honest and not yeah, okay. And sorry, so now moving forward to other ideas. I mean, obviously you've got um emotional other thumb what was it? Thumb stopping content? Thumb stoppingly good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are what other ideas do you have? Because I mean, I I often post out on LinkedIn and it kind of it dies, um, and I always think, oh, that's maybe I haven't put the right hashtags. That's not that's not the reason, is it? Well, I'm glad you're using hashtags. They definitely help with discoverability for the post. But another one is a strategy that you use really well, Jason, with GalleyCube. So I definitely want to highlight you there is you answer a lot of the questions that your audience has in mind. So as they are searching. It's part B2B, some, the decision journey is so much longer than it is even in B2C that there is tends to be a lot of research in the process. So if you can think about what are the different types of questions that my audience can is likely to ask in the middle. So that's just another way that you can nurture them. You can help them, right? It's very karmic. If you help them now, they will remember you later. And Oh, just just to point out, I actually that isn't yeah. a strategy. I don't do it on purpose. It's just somebody asks a question. I go, oh, I know the answer to that. It's like being at school at the back, going, oh, I know, I know, teacher, teacher. And it really is kind of thinking. I if I know the answer, I want to tell everybody what I know because it seems foolish and 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 unhappy to try to keep it all to myself. Um, the idea of sharing is. For me, if I find something out, I really want to share it. Anyway, that's an aside. But what I don't do is figure out what people want to know before they ask it. They actually have to ask it. Other than that, I just shoot out all the stuff that I know without anyone asking. So how do I figure out what they actually want to know? There's a couple of different ways. The, and, you know, firstly, congrats. I mean, the fact that it's so innate and authentic to your persona is like one of the big reasons that you write. I'm a big believer in karma. Like you rise by lifting others. Like that's been my, my motto. And you do that innately. But for others who want to sort of build that muscle a little bit more, there's some of my favorite ways. One, every industry has a conference and they have their own publication. So go and look at, common themes that come up that every conference is talking about, right? Um, let's say we met at SMX last, right? And Parsons said, what's SMX got on their agenda? What does PopCon have on their agenda? What does uh, Digital Summit have? Are there common themes? Because event organizers want to sell their tickets. They've done the work and the research to All see right. what's going to sell tickets. So sometimes I, the best way to look for ideas is to go look at what other people have done their digging. So shamelessly uh, capitalize on other people's hard work. Uh, or look at the your industry media. Like, what's running about? Is there a common theme? Like, maybe cybersecurity. There's just so much coming up on cybersecurity in the software field. And you're like, oh, maybe this is something I should write more about. Then, if you have sales reps or customer service teams within your company, 10 minutes on a phone call with them will enlighten you. Just ask them, what are the common questions that your customers are asking? What are common objections that they have? Or um, even go and read reviews online. It's so simple where your customers are talking about in their own words, what they like about your product or your competitors. So this can be super helpful. Or Google Trends, or just type in a sentence with your words, see what other people mm. are also asking. There's, you know, shamelessly leverage search engines. And and that is a really good point that you didn't make, but I think you were about to make is the people we, we as SEOs obsessed about people also ask. We said let's answer all these questions, get ourselves a people also ask, and maybe a feature snippet and maybe a ranking. We could actually pull all that over and make an article or a post on LinkedIn, and people will naturally be interested in it, assuming we can actually reach our audience. So 
proactively answering questions and pushing that out to our audience on LinkedIn would be incredibly powerful. Oh, thousand percent. That would be absolutely brilliant. Put it as a post and then take that same content and maybe create a compilation on your website, right? Uh, Ross Simmons always says this, that create once, distribute forever. And content can live on, on and on. And another thing you do, Jason, you'll, you'll have a show like this and then you'll pluck out like what two minute snippets or one minute snippet and you'll have that as a separate video on your YouTube channel which is brilliant and then you'll share that on Twitter on LinkedIn on Facebook and so the same contents everywhere it's so genius and more people should do it yeah so right well I mean, oh, oh sorry a big big hello to the CaliCube team who actually do the work uh, they 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 pick the great spots. They they make those videos. They push them out, uh, and and that is kind of I really enjoy it. We call them CaliCube knowledge nuggets, with the idea that we're trying to pick moments that stand alone with one or two minutes where we t we we or sorry you or the guest teaches something that I don't know anything about, um, and that that's wonderful because it also helps me to remember what you've been talking about. So we'll get some great ones from this. Sorry, carry on. I interrupted you. No, 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 that's super great. And then just to keep up on that sort of emotion side is your people. So what's unique to your company is are your people, right? No one has your people or your first party data. Like, can you tell personal stories? You know, could you tell like your execs could share some of their stories? Could you highlight people in the company and have them share? Very often brands like purpose-led marketing is such a big deal. It has been for a while and companies will be like, I stand for X. But rather, you know, those are great and those posts have, have a place, but they can almost go deeper. You can go beyond corporate jargon by highlighting people there. So like maybe we, you know, here's this highlight of this employee who struggled with XXX and here's the story. Here's what he taught us. And this is why we changed the policy because of, uh, this person, you know, something like that, or how they feel moving up. These are so compelling. You know this better than anyone, right? Stories is what makes us sucked into want to hearing more. Then it changes how you, almost your goodwill in your mind about that company. And then it becomes more prominent, right? Moz gave away their beginner's guide to SEO like all those years ago and it's still doing so well and it's one of the reasons I'm like darn I love Moz they helped me so much I'm going to keep looking at it right when I was like a fledgling SEO in the early 2000s um not to age myself here but you know I was like oh I learned so much from other people and then I you know always look up to them you keep going back I'll share them you'll build advocates so that's another one and sorry there are two things there in fact one of which is the company helping you and you think in the company's great and the other is the employees the people who work for the company having great stories or being good people or being somebody you have a connection with for whatever reason that might be and i think a lot of companies forget that the employees represent that company and they can drive a great deal of engagement and uh, what, what would you call it closeness um which which is absolutely lovely sorry go ahead no and i would say my favorite example on that um, which is also important for talent branding, right? No, the companies are such a, you know, they're so looking for talent now. We're living in the time of the great reshuffle, et cetera, et cetera. So putting your employees yeah. out there is very helpful. And one of my favorite examples of using the, of leveraging employee voices to A, highlight them is from Samsung. So last year, this time, so this time of year, last year, Samsung had, shared some fabulous new products at CES, right? All the sexy new technologies debuted there. The, foldy, the foldy phone thing. 
I don't know what it, I don't remember what it was right. last year, but uh, you know the technology at CES is sexy enough to stand on its own, right? It deserves its own story. But what they did was they promoted it by, you know, learn about our new uh, tech from the people who built them. So they had the product managers who built the product talk about it. Now that hooked me. I was like, I want to read this because I want to know like how are they thinking, what went into it. Like it was so much more interesting than a post that just said, here's what we showed at, at CES. So it really helps you as well. It's much more beneficial in many different ways. Which is yeah, which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, Google do that quite well because they have a lot of people who create the stuff, writing on the blogs and driving that forward. Um, you you were talking earlier on, or I was looking at your your slides, and you were talking about contrarian. Now that's something I don't do because it's something I'm really uncomfortable with, but apparently it works very well. And you mentioned Gary V. What's it, it mean? What did he do? <laughs> Okay, I think that the whole issue also in marketing is that very often there's this whole like, what's everyone else doing? And if they're doing right. it, we'll do it. Right? There's a lot of following along with, to the trends. Like if something's working, let's just do that same thing. But sometimes a better question is, what is no one else doing? What's the gap in the market that we can come through? So the contrarian is almost like this unexpected, fresh, unique take on something that is commonly known. And, and Gary Vee's big on doing that, right? Very often you know, whether, whatever people think about him, like he, some people really love him, some people, you know, he may not be their cup of tea. But a big reason why he's really well known is because he always has those contrarian opinions and thoughts uh, and points of view that he'll put out there. And that will just get people talking and whether they're talking in agreement or talking um, in, in disagreement, it gets the conversation going. Um, at LinkedIn, we do this as well, like my, uh, not my team, but our sister team, the B2B Institute, which is just this phenomenal think tank within LinkedIn. They'll put out contrarian trends uh, for, for the next, every year at the end of the year, they'll put out their trends report. So many companies put out marketing trends report, right? What's going to make them unique? It's like, here's the contrarian trends. So they'll take a different approach or they'll look at research that disproves some of the commonly held beliefs. And they're like, oh, you know, people think that you should spend more of your time on bottom funnel because that is what makes the money in the short term. Right. But actually, no, focusing on brand is going to make you much more money in like the six months out. So they'll dispel common myths. And that just gets people interested. Like Rand Fishkin, again, is another one who's done this really well, where he talked about content marketing. And he's like, don't start with this, which was like the commonly... A known starting point. It just that's thumb stopping in a way too. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. So, thank you for filling in while I was off off camera there for a moment. I was still here and listening, but uh, I had a technical issue. Anyway, absolutely brilliant. Because I thought when you said contrarian, I just thought you meant saying the opposite of what anybody else says immediately, which is just basically picking an argument, which I would feel really uncomfortable with. But it's coming up with unexpected things. Exactly. It's just a different way of looking at the same things. If everyone commonly agrees that X is the way to go, you're like, is it really? Let's take a look again. And like, maybe it's actually Y is a better approach. And the, the key thing is you always want to deliver. If you're going to open up that curiosity loop, you want to deliver with something substantial. Otherwise, don't do this tactic because you don't want to be considered fall into that whole clickbait category, et cetera. Right. So um, back it up with data and info. So if you can take a look at any example, I highly recommend B2B Institute's 2030 Contrarian Trends. 
Right, brilliant. Yeah, so don't don't push out something if you can't walk the walk. No, don't talk the talk mm-hmm. if you can't walk the walk or something along those lines. Yeah. And another one is, is you're talking about putting a new spin on existing formats. Now, that doesn't seem to me something that's very easy to do because there are a limited number of formats and pretty much everything has been done. I'm so glad you asked that, Jason. This is one of my absolute favorite examples. So it's from Johnson & Johnson. And before, so this is from early last year, late 2019, early last year, before uh, they were coming up with their vaccine. And so they created a documentary-esque, TV show-esque show called The Road to the Vaccine. But what they, how they launched it is super clever. It's so sophisticated, both from a consumer and marketer point of view. So they used like LinkedIn Live. Now, most people would look at a live, like social, different social media platforms have them, right? And people will look at them as a one-off. So it's like a one and done. It's an event and it's done. But Johnson & Johnson was so clever. They were like, okay, we're going to go LinkedIn Live at a regular cadence with our you know, documentary TV show style road to the vaccine where every quote unquote episode, they feature different experts. They talk through their progress. It was really interesting stuff. And they made it so sophisticated because before every quote unquote episode, they would send, you know, emails. I remember, uh, remind you to tune in. Here's what you heard after the session. Organically, they would send out these messages like, here's the recap from what we heard. Join next week. And it became a super solid polished franchise, which was such a cool way of leveraging live. So think about that. How can you use it differently? Um, Another simpler use for people can be sometimes video ads. People are like, oh, if it's video, it must be must need to be a video, but it doesn't. It can be, you can take a podcast and put that in as a video, just maybe animate it a little so people know that something's happening. Uh, you do animated GIFs can be another one that you can put in there right. as, as video. So think about new, interesting, different ways to put your content out. No, yeah, I mean, a bit of creativity in video, and we've done it a few times with podcasts that don't have the video, and then we just add the little buzzy things that make it look like the sound box thingy, and then put little images on. And it's actually been incredibly helpful because the message actually gets across maybe even better because we can illustrate the important points. And then you build up this narrative that goes around the words, and it's building up a narrative, especially in video, that I think a lot of people miss is looking at video as something where you can put lots of things going on, you can talk, and it, it, it stands on its own. But if there isn't a narrative, it doesn't really make sense. And another 100%. question I had for you is, sorry, it took me ages to get onto LinkedIn Live, and now I'm on it. I just kind of plonk the video on there and think, great. But I think I could be much more – what I am is consistent, and that was the question, in fact, is consistency is key. Um, yes. The example you just gave is they they turned it into what you called a franchise. It basically means you do something and you do it consistently over a long period of time. Yep, and you can have a regular cadence. And again, people sometimes feel pressure to post every single day or multiple times a day. And you don't have to. Like, of course, we, we encourage that posting once a day um, is can be really helpful for you as long as it's quality. But if you can't put out there something every day that's of good quality and engagement, then even once, twice a week is good or just have some regular cadence that people will know what to expect from you. And posts on LinkedIn tend to have a longer shelf life as well. The more engagement it gets, the more prominent it'll get, the more it'll keep showing up. 
so another thing to right. even strive for on LinkedIn is, is getting that kind of engagement, like the more views, the comments, uh, all of that really is helpful. Yeah, no, I keep getting on LinkedIn, especially on Twitter, it happens a lot less, is somebody replies to something, I say it in my inbox, and I look at it at the reply, and I think, what are they talking about? And it's something from three or four months ago that I've totally forgotten about. Um, LinkedIn does have a long shelf life. How can you make the, the most of that? Is to one, don't uh, post like a million times a day because then you're just competing with yourself. So try once a day right. is like what we recommend. Or if you're getting a ton of engagement, then maybe if you can hold off a bit. But the big thing we recommend is don't optimize and don't focus so much on views as your primary metric. Focus on engagement really as your primary metric. Like put out there something that's quality that people will want to reply to. Like ideally, they'll be having conversations with you or, or even better amongst themselves in the comments and sharing some of their thoughts and doing that those type of things like every time we really get those comments the engagement it just bumps it up a bit uh right because right. yeah. again those people's followers and viewers will see it too so it extends the reach really well yeah the, the whole kind of engagement thing with with comments i find really difficult i mean do you suggest actively asking people you know give your opinion below or give your ideas below um because i tend not to get that many but i'm it might be because my topic is so niche that people don't have very much to say about it? It can be. So I would say one is like use a few hashtags, like between one to five is good. You can go broader as well for more discoverability. Tag other people. So if you had just interviewed, um, you just interviewed Sam Noble a while ago or later to tag them, say this is what we talked about, then they'll see it, then they'll reply, to, uh, mm -hmm. get some thoughts out there. If you have other employees when the company have them, share out or post a comment and yes you can ask for engagement you can put out an opinion you can put out some thoughts and you know here's what i found these are my three top tips for brand like what have you seen i'm you know anything ask it's so simple like try to as long as it feels natural right everything doesn't always have to get that um you're going to get tagged all the time now. Anton's just put up a message saying tag Pernavergi. And it means awesome. that everybody's going to tag you on every single LinkedIn post. I will say hello. I'm always, I'm obsessively on LinkedIn all day. I mean, not just because I work for the company, but I, I, I learn <laughs> a lot from posts as well. Do that. Um, but oh, I lost my train of thought. But in any case, yeah, post Sorry. often, everything's not going to get massive amount of engagement. And that's okay. But mix and match, right? It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Try to get your, uh, most of like most of LinkedIn, like people use the app a lot more than the desktop just because how mobile our world is. And Yeah, okay, we'll come back to that. Carry on, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah, it's not just what you say, but how you say it too. So remember, think about optimizing for mobile space as well. Characters will get truncated after a certain amount. So put your most important words first. Think in headlines, make it make it more relevant. So we tested this. So LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, my org within LinkedIn that I work for, uh, our incredible marketers tested something where they had the same post. And the only difference between version A and version B was that they added the words marketers to the to the uh, top. And so it almost instantly felt that much more relevant. So it got much better click-throughs and conversions when they did that. So mm. even if you're thinking like, hey, SEOs, this is a big one for you. It just feels like, oh, this is for me. I should read it. Right. No, sorry. I was just, the reason I went, ooh, I was thinking, name your audience. How yeah. very simple and how very obvious and something I never do. So from now on, I'm going to name my audience 
tell them what I've got to tell them and put five hashtags and say, what are your comments? What are your thoughts? And I'm away. I'm going to be LinkedIn king. <laughs> it's not always like that. There's no set formula for success. So, but I must caveat this before my product teams come knocking on my door being like, what have you said, you woman? So... <laughs> I'm, I'm just naive and I, I kind of have this idea that if I think it hard enough, it'll all work out. It's a bit cartoony. Um, and you also say be concise, be compelling and be clear. Um, that's that's really, really nice um, iteration or, or, or way of saying, you know, being concise, it's so difficult. Being clear is really difficult. We think we're clear, but we're not. Mm -hmm. How it do you really do it? Is. It's so... Uh, wasn't that the saying, like, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter, isn't it? It is harder, but try to think about what's your most compelling thing. Think in headlines, right? If you work in SEO or PPC, right, we're the kings and queens of writing headlines. So try to think in headlines, like, what's the end benefit or what's the big deal or the takeaway that they're going to get? So put your most compelling stuff out there, explain the value, some compelling insight, right? Your goal is for them to engage and interact with it if you're sharing something, right? Don't give everything away in there. Make it interesting enough that's going to earn you the click. So, I mean, we do this for a living all the time. So do that. Um, another one is images. It's really big. Like visuals are the new headline almost. Uh, if you can put some a really compelling image, you can have some text on it. Put, put something out there. Like we always recommend have an image. And the companies that do this pretty well will tend to overlay a little bit something on the image so you can see what it's about. Um, right, that sort of brings something to mind is that a lot of people just write because they think, well, it's free. I just write and it's really easy because if I do an image, I have to get a graphic designer in and that's going to create them. But in fact, a graphic designer, a good graphic designer will make an image so compelling and so um, communicative of what it is you're trying to say that it's going to make a really big difference. But that also brings to mind the idea that when you're writing your texts, getting a copywriter in is not an unreasonable thing to do. And thinking I can just do it myself is perhaps not the best approach and have a specialist write the copy and another specialist do the image, maybe that's going to get you more uh, traction on LinkedIn. It can, it can right? it <laughs> Authenticity is so much more important. Right? If it sounds like you, if it's coming in your voice, like it's not that hard. Like if you were sharing something, sometimes I'll find like I, I'm at a conference or I've watched an exciting webinar. I'm like, I got my mind's bursting. Like, all these great tips. And like you, I want to share them. And so often I'll put out there and it's not wordsmithed. It's not beautiful, but the value is there. So just go right. back to the heart of your content. Like what's the intent? Why are you sharing it? What's the goal? And it doesn't have to be perfect. So yes, it's great. If you can get a copywriter in to help, fabulous. If you can't, it doesn't matter, right? As long as what you're doing is of value to the reader and it's there. Um, to benefit them, to help them, there's clear things to them. It's really valuable. Right. So the, the rule there is don't overthink it like Jason does. Stick to what you do well. Uh, I was overthinking and thinking, oh, we could do this and that, that, and that. And then you say, you're actually going to ruin your authenticity. And there is there is a, a kind of wall that you should you should not go beyond, as it were. Anyway, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm going down my own little... I'm a chronic overthinker. I mean, listen, if you, the more help you can get, the better, right? None of us get smart on our own. We all learn from others. The more brains that are on it, the better. But don't be overwhelmed. Don't let that stop you from contributing. Like, oh, it's not perfect, so I won't share it. And 
sometimes it's the not perfect stuff that can go really far. Right. Well, I, f- I found it incredibly helpful from my perspective. I mean, up until last year, I was just working on my own and I was just posting things out. And now I've actually got some other people working with me, Katrina, Joanne, Marianne, uh, who, are, who are helping. And what I found is that they th- say things in a way that I wouldn't have said them. And I love it. I love the way they're expressing stuff. And what it, what it what it means is it's made I think the CaliCube message and the CaliCube personality richer and broader and much much more interesting for everybody. Hey. Right. Anyway, so um, what's the next point? You've got you've got your whole slide deck because uh, to explain, Perna actually has a whole slide deck, and we wouldn't let her use it because we're horrible. Um, <laughs> But but we're actually going through the points as far as I can see, one by one. You're doing a brilliant job of directing it for me. So what's the next point? No, thank you. Like speaking of overthinkers, I'm like, ah, oh, this must need a slide deck. And so I created one, but this is good. <laughs> we can talk through it, which is great. So see Jason, overthinkers unite here. Well, the other thing is just to add the 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 motion videos can do really, really well. What we started seeing was that LinkedIn members were spending much more time consuming video posts rather than simply text alone. So mix and match. Everything doesn't have to be a video. Everything doesn't have to be an image, but try to make it, you know, infuse them all throughout your feed. Somebody discovers you once, they may see an appealing post, they're like, oh, this is great. This Jason guy is super smart. Let me follow him. Let me go to his page. What else has he talked about? Give them a mix and match of different things. So you'll want to think about, you know, are you adding a little video? And you also want to think about all your content in terms of the full stages of the decision journey too. Do you have stuff at the top like that's about your brand that's talking about, you know, who you are, like what you do, what you stand for, um, you know, unique brand assets that, you know, reinforce sort of like Nike has the just do it. Or, you know, some brands have the color scheme, right? Are you building that brand distinctiveness? Then are you using things like thought leadership, knowledge sharing, nurture, problem solution awareness to reinforce your expertise and bring people back? to you to help make capture them earlier in the funnel, push them down. And then really your your bottom funnel, your demand generation content, which is on like whether it's a free trial, whether you're asking them for a lead gen form, whether you're having them come to the website to take a free trial. You want to make sure your content spans everything. Too often I see with marketers that we tend to be very stuck in bottom funnel because it's the easiest to measure and so we're like oh I've got to go and report this up to the hippo uh, the highest person in my org let me uh, focus here there there is a real problem with that is that we think I have to report to my boss therefore I need to do bottom of funnel because I can then report some results and the other is when people do top of funnel they put the special offer immediately and it, it really is trying to trying to push people to purchase or to convert much, much too early. And identifying which stage you're aiming at and what the message needs to be is really important and not overselling too fast. Is that fair? That is very fair. You'll want to have a mix of all, right? Binet and Fields research says you need as much as like almost a 50-50 split between like brand-focused content and bottom funnel content because at any given time, not everyone's going to be in bottom funnel and to guide them past. So yes, definitely have more brand content than most people think they need. And don't jump and if you don't fill the if you don't fill the top of the funnel, the bottom of the funnel will never get any any 
traffic, so you'll never cover anything. Anyway, my next question was video, because you mentioned video on LinkedIn, and we don't traditionally think of LinkedIn as a video platform. How much has it actually grown over the last few years? What we found is that LinkedIn members have been spending three times as more time watching video ads compared to like just static sponsored content. So if you're thinking bang for your buck with video, that's really, really helpful. And you can use video to complement some of your long form content. Like very often, especially in B2B, you know how common it is, like this white paper, this ebook, like things that take a tremendous amount of love and effort and care to put out there, but they're competing with 50 with dozens of other ebooks and white papers. And so you want to give people little appetizers. You can pull fantastic stuff from it and use it as a short form video. So whether, um, actually a really good example is from a furniture company called Steelcase, where they had done last year, they did a global study on just, I forget, something about like state of like workplace and work environments, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they were able to pull out unique stats and then, um, targeted separately to employers and HR people. And then they had a a separate set of posts and research, and then they used it to target employees at the company. So hit both sides, right? Hit your end user and then hit the person who's going to buy to sort of make a compelling case. And one piece of research reached out to different audiences. They pulled different stats from it, made multiple posts. They did an infographic. They did a, a little video. They did, you know, unique one a little image with key stat that jumps out at you. It was so clever, so well done. So make the most of your hard work. Um, Another really good case, if you are, especially if you are like, let's say in SaaS and you're sort of doing like product-led marketing, um, those kind of strategies. Zoom is a really good example where they would create these 15 second videos that just showed you how to do one thing better in in Zoom. So whether it was here's how you can mute background noise, quick little demo of somebody, 15 seconds and you learn something new. Uh, Really, really clever, really well done. Wow. (laughs) Oh dear, I've I've just realized I've been doing uh, demos of the CaliCube Pro SaaS platform, which is quite complex. And I do 15 minute videos because I get so involved in the details of everything I'm doing. And I should be doing much shorter videos to get people interested in individual functionality rather than trying to explain the whole thing. Do both. Like you want those those 15 minutes. Those are really great for your serious user because now they're like, okay, I really want this. I want to know more. But it's almost like those quicker ones are more little bites. But those long form does have a sense of purpose. Right? These are the people who are much more likely to convert. So they stay throughout. And then if they've watched something so much, like can you retarget them? Can you ask them to sign up for a newsletter? Can you do, you know, what are those micro conversions as well that you can ask them to do uh, more of? Right. Along the okay. way. Can I ask you a question, which is purely for my own benefit, which is yes, that I have my personal p- profile, which is all lovely and reasonably friendly and fun, and I post all my stuff there. And then we've got the company profile. And what I find is when the company posts stuff, it's much more difficult to get traction than it is for me as a person. Is that because the company has been on LinkedIn less time, or is there some kind of uh, different strategy I need to be using for the company as compared to myself as an individual? It may just be your followers are more than the company, so you get a little bit more traction there. But what you can do is you can have the company page reshare your posts and that way it will also give it a lot more traction and your viewers and followers will see it and drive people back to CaliCube um, as well. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, because we, we, we did an experiment with CaliCube, which is we didn't have a LinkedIn company page. We didn't have a Twitter page. And we tried to get them both onto our brand SERP. And Twitter took um, six weeks to get onto the brand SERP and six months to trigger the Twitter boxes. But LinkedIn, because my personal profile was on the company brand SERP, it took us six months to get the company uh, LinkedIn profile anywhere near it because the company profile was, sorry, the uh, my personal profile was so dominant. And I, so oh. it makes sense. What you just said is that my my personal profile is so dominant that the company profile can't get its head above water. So thank you very much for that hint. Uh, no that worries. There was one other tip is make sure you filled out like every single piece on your company page, like every area, because I optimize it, you know, really well with all the info that you put in. Um, and then, yeah, you've had your personal brand for so long and such a strong presence. I can see why. Like, you, right. CaliCube is Jason, and Jason is CaliCube. So, um, yeah, happy to Brilliant. chat after and have a look. Super duper. Anyway, and um, what what other points have I missed? What other questions haven't I asked that you really wanted to share? Um, or have we gone through everything that you have to share? I'm sure we haven't because you could talk for days about this, I'm sure. I could talk for days and days and days, as you said, but I think the one message if I want to share, like it's not overwhelming, it's not rocket science, it's just really go out there, think about those commonly asked questions you have, go through your own website and see what's really interesting and compelling, like what can be shared? Like You don't have to be overwhelmed that, oh gosh, now I have to create brand new content for everywhere. You don't. The content could be net new to social media, right? And then you can put something there. Um, or look at interesting news stories. I forget, there was, uh, uh, what's his name? The James Bond, Daniel. Daniel Craig, woohoo. Yes, Daniel Craig. So there was an article about how he said he's going to leave his, he's not going to leave anything to his kids. Or there was something about his like inheritance plan. And so there was a tax planning company that said, look, this is James Bond's inheritance plan. If you have questions about yours, do this. It was so funny. It's like interesting content. You could just take it. Uh, you don't have to create all the time. You can curate as well. So take that mindset. And my favorite tip is people are like, I don't know if I have any content is 100,000% you do. You have way more than you think. Just go and look at it, right? If your company news page could be an interesting way for you to come and do a quick video from a SME, as a subject matter expert in your company, just say, here's why we launched it. Here's a cool thing, the benefit to the audience, or here's what we're doing. So don't, do not worry. There's a lot more that you have. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. Perna, that was delightful. I'm so pleased to have had you on the show a second time. Uh, so pleased that you were here for the announcement of the book. So pleased to hear what you have to share. And I'm going to be stealing all of those ideas that you've been sharing today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. That was absolutely wonderful. I'm now going to share next week's episode, and it's Tom Critchlow, How to Report Your SEO to Your CEO. Uh, I love that picture of Tom. He looks, I don't know, cheeky and intelligent at the same time, which is quite a pull-off. Could you please pass the baton? Of course. Woo, what an honor to pass it on to Tom Critchlow. So Tom is an incredible human. He is a brilliant SEO. Um, his training course on SEO is one of the best in the business. So if you haven't already uh, checked that out, do do that. And ooh, how to report SEO to the CEO is something that every company needs to do better to get the budget and the time and resources that SEO teams deserve. So good luck. And I'm excited to tune in for Tom. 
Brilliant. You've got me geared up for Tom Critchell next week. Thanks a lot so much. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Purna. Thank you. Bye.